Hey, this is Jack Rogers. Hello, this is Olivia Valerio. This is Chris Hughes. This is Abby Bennett. Hi, this is Mike Kinsler, and you're listening to the Inside Pitch with Bob Fredette and Tom Hall of Fame Haley. Wow. It's all brand new. It's a fresh season. The Rutland Herald's local sports podcast. Brought to you by our season sponsor, the Rutland Regional Medical Center. Healthy you, healthy together. Here they are, Bob Fredette and Tom Haley. Okay, welcome back to Inside Pitch. Week two of the fall season, I'm Bob Fredette, Tom Haley, George Nostrin, who is our engineer. Our guest today, Coach Mike Norman of the Rutland High School football team, and we'll be talking football today, obviously. We should have started with him because he's 1-0, and right? <laughs> he's okay, 1-0. Okay, well, let's yeah, go. Here yeah, we well, go. I, want, I was on the sidelines for that one. Congratulations, Coach. That's a great win. Uh, obviously, you know, we get all excited about it, but as a level-headed person and somebody who's looking at 11 weeks and not one, I'm sure you're, you're thinking that there's a lot of things that have to happen before this season is over with. Well, you know, the kids did a lot of things well, but, you know, it's the first game and uh, starting with myself and the rest of the coaching staff and just down through everybody, there's things that we can certainly improve upon because uh, we have a really tough opponent on Friday night and we just need to take the next step and get to the next practice. Well, tell us, I mean, before we talk about St. Johnsbury, which we will, uh, you know, you, you obviously look for good things to happen from your kids. What did you really like about what your kids did on Saturday? Well, I thought they competed. Um, you know, it wasn't particularly hot, but it was warm enough, so we were able to play with uh, some tempo and pace, and I think that worked to our advantage. But beyond that, I, I liked how our kids responded. Uh, we made a couple of mistakes at the beginning, and I think a lot of that's attributed just to first game jitters and nerves, and uh, the kids really uh, responded and bounced back and uh, had a solid showing. And what we talked about last week, Bob, you don't really get a read on the division after week one. Nobody has any idea who they beat, who somebody just beat. It takes two, three weeks, maybe even longer, to really get a feel for the pecking order. So uh, it's pretty exciting now because these early weeks, you really don't know, do you? You just don't know. No, I just think there's so much parity there, having watched some film on some other teams already. But, uh, you know, again, my experience here, it's going to probably take three, four, maybe even five weeks to have things kind of sugar itself down. And, you know, again, I was telling our principal this morning, you know, with the parity, it's just going to be a matter of who stays healthy, who can improve day to day and week to week. You know what I mean? And, and who can be coached and put in the appropriate positions uh, to be successful. And, uh, you know, again, the truth uh, is to be told here down the road for sure. Well, in a 64-6 game like you had the other day, how much opportunity did you have to get a lot of people in and look at them and start to assess things? Well, we got a lot of our, you know, everybody that was dressed had an opportunity to uh, compete and participate, some kids more than others, but uh, we had a lot of kids that uh, had some time in there. But again, sometimes when you're in those games, it's, it's a nice thing for us, for sure, because it takes the pressure off, but then it just creates another set of issues and take nothing away from CVU. Um, you know, new coach, new system, you know, I'm sure they're going to improve. That's a really big school with a lot of athletes, and, uh, I mean, they're going to reap what they sow, you I mean, down the road. But, uh, you know, it, it, it was a great day for everybody. You know, it's, you know, three weeks of uh, preseason, certainly, but we started back on the Monday after Thanksgiving, and I think it's just to give the kids a little bit of an idea that, you know, hard work does pay off. Yeah, okay. Now, you now you made mention of this after the game, and I agree with you. We put a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, focus on quarterbacks, 
And when you have a, a first-year quarterback like you do, <clears throat> Owen Perry, you were talked about like the other kid's 17. He's got this and this and this to do. How much really development does a, does a kid need over the course of a season to really get comfortable and with an offense and just the way everything goes? You know, anybody, any coach would tell you if your quarterback is coming back, you know, just just a little bit. You can take a little bit of a, a, a sigh or deep breath to relax a little bit. When you have a new quarterback and and you're trying to figure that out, and you have kids competing against one another, you're just trying to figure that situation out, and then you're also trying to figure out what he can and can't do or what he's comfortable with and, and not comfortable with doing. And, and, and again, it's going to take a few weeks for us to uh, kind of figure that uh, stuff out. But I thought Owen did a nice job, you know, made a couple of mistakes early, which we anticipated happening. But I think as the game went on, he just got those jitters out and just was able to focus and uh, play his game a little bit. And you were down the same road last year, right? I mean, this year it's Owen Perry, last year... It was Ryan Moore, so uh, similar situation with a new quarterback. We have not had the same quarterback go back-to-back since Andy Kanosh played in 14 and 15. I mean, that's not an excuse. Yeah. That's just the reality, yeah. but that's right. high school sports. So, you know, we'll, we'll enjoy it for the moment, and, uh, you know, I'm sure Owen's going to get better as the season goes on, and we'll be right back at it again, you know, a, a year from now. But, you know, we can't worry about that. We just need, oh, no. to, we just need to do it. A good job of uh, getting Owen prepared, as well as you know the other guys that play quarterback. Because we have two or three other guys that are capable of stepping in there, and uh, you know just try to get ready to play a, a really strong St. J team. Okay. Well, you know, one of the things I I thought that you might be pleased with was the way that Perry made the decision whether to carry the ball himself or to hand it off. I didn't hear you saying, you know, very often, hey, maybe you should have done this or that this time. It seemed like he made some really good decisions out there. Yeah, I, I just think he's getting more comfortable, I mean, doing it. You know, everybody wants to be the guy. Everybody wants to be a senior. But then when you become the guy or become a senior, you know what I mean, that there's nobody to look up to. You know, everybody's looking at you. And I think, you know, that there's a lot of internal pressure, you know, as an athlete, and I thought he's handled that well. And now everybody's looking at you. You mean, I have the answer. You know, we, we went through the same thing, I mean, the last few years, like I said, and, you know, I have confidence that, you know, Owen's just going to continue to get better and just get more comfortable in what we're asking him to do. And this week, it's uh, a, a different new a first-year quarterback in each uniform. In right? each uniform, yeah. 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 And, and good lines on, on both sides, right. too. Right. What, what kind of a game do you anticipate with St. Jay? I expect it to be very competitive and very <laughs> physical. They're well-coached. You know I mean? Rich does a nice job. I mean, they kind of do what they do. You know, we have some tape from, uh, you know, we, we played them in the semifinals last year, but it was similar, but yet it's different. You know, we've seen them in a scrimmage, and then we have their first game last week against Essex, and, you know, they control the situation basically from the beginning, I mean, to the end. And, you know, it's still, it's only week two, and I'm sure he's saying a lot of the same things that we're saying, that, you know, we did these things well, but these are things that we need to improve. So. You know, I think you'll see, uh, you know, a really uh, competitive spirited game on, on Friday night for sure. Okay. Uh, you talk a little bit about that line that you have. Actually, both lines. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of good experienced players on there. And I was kind of curious, we were thinking about this in the preseason, if you had to start from, from the, the point where you have a really good line returning and, and need to fill the skill positions, or vice versa, isn't the line the first place you'd like to go? Well, you know, we talk about building an offensive line, you know I mean, with a quarterback and get that solidified and then 
try to, you know, just rotate in different people at the skill positions. You know what I mean? Defensively, you know what I mean? Build, but first and foremost, build your defense. And, uh, you know, we have mm-hmm. some older guys that are playing in the offense and defensive lines, and you know, they've worked hard. You know, they did a lot of things well on Saturday. But, you know, again, like I said, you know, we're, you know I mean, I'm never happy, I guess, but or content. Uh, we just we, we need to get better. And uh, I know that uh, Rich does a nice job with the kids up there, and uh, we're going to have to play better than we did last week to, to be competitive. Okay. Uh, we talk about development of skill players. When you bring back a, a line with the kind of experience that you have, does it open up things as far as the offense getting, you know, putting in more things just the same way as it would with a veteran quarterback perhaps? Well, you know, ideally it's going to allow the quarterback and the running backs and the receivers to be able to do things with a little less pressure on them. I mean, that's the ideal situation. You know, hand the ball off and then let the quarterback kind of get into the game and go from there or let the quarterback pull the ball, step back, and be able to throw and, you know, without any pressure. But, again, I thought that we played with some tempo on offense last week, and uh, that allowed us to kind of do that, uh, I mean, to the other team. But, you know, we're still at a point where we just need to really focus on ourselves, and we're still trying to figure it out. You know I mean? We had practice Monday morning early, I mean, kind of turn the page, and it's just getting the kids to do that as well. Yeah, I mean, for game two. It seems like a, it seems like a silly question now, uh, in respect to the final score, but when CVU did score first, mm-hmm. what did, what did you sense from from the kids? You you got a lot of new kids in skill positions. Any urgency or 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 panic? Obviously, they overcame it, so. You know, now it, it seems like a like a silly question, but at that time, what 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 did you sense was the, you know, was the mood of the team? Well, you know, we always talk about first and foremost, whoever we play is not to beat ourselves, and we made some mistakes and take nothing away from what they did, that helped them put themselves in that situation, and the momentum was going their way. I would say, was there a sense of urgency? Yes. Was there panic? No. I think the kids, and again, we have a lot of older kids. Many of them played, but many of them are first-time players. So you really don't know how they're going to react and respond to that. But like I said, they, you know, there wasn't much talking going on. They just kind of buckled down and got after a little bit better. And you know, I think as they got into the flow of the game, and then I think we kind of got the momentum back, and things went from there. Yeah, yeah, well, it was a uh, one one thing I found a little bit curious is they they really didn't make you stretch yourselves on defense very much early in the game. I mean, it was an awful lot of handing off to the same guy, and they seemed pretty one dimensional. Uh, and I thought that that might have really worked to your benefit. But you know, offensively, I mean, you kind of opened up the playbook. You did some different things. You do a, an option pass in there, and that's one thing I wanted to ask you about uh, was a a wrinkle play like that. When you have one of those things, is there is there a benefit to using it earlier in the season so maybe later in the season you can pull it out again? Well, you know, certainly, you know, it's – I mean, you practice all these plays and schemes and you actually use them in the games. And, uh, you know, again, we met on Sunday and went over everything that we have and say, is there anything that we need to take out because – you know, it, it's it, you know it's pretty in practice, but if you don't use it on Friday nights or Saturday afternoons, why are you practicing? Mm-hmm. And I think by the nature of what we're trying to do offensively, 
it's allowed us or it's made us to become more efficient in what we do. By putting the plays in the game, we practice this stuff. The kids like to do it. Uh, and again, I think what it allows us to do is just to have a little bit of creativity from a coaching standpoint, certainly, mm -hmm. and an execution standpoint by the kids. They have to be able to do it. Uh, you know, and again, it just gives the other team something else to have to work on. And again, you know, we got the same thing going on on the other side of the, you know, the ball. You know what I mean? We're playing week two here, a little bit of a history. I mean, we have to practice against some of that stuff uh, as well. You know I mean, we practice, you know I mean, whether or not it works or not, I don't know, um, or defending it, I don't know, but we try to work against, you know, reverses, halfback option passes, you know, any of those types of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, on a weekly basis just so we expose the kids to do it and particularly in the beginning of the season when so much is unknown. This is the Inside Pitch, the Rutland Herald's local sports podcast. Brought to you by our season sponsor, the Rutland Regional Medical Center. Healthy you, healthy together. A lot of the talk in week one, obviously, about the forfeit, Rice's forfeit. Uh, mm. We see that. We've seen that a lot through the years, but not a Division One. Um, I know as we're sitting here talking, you've got your USA football shirt on. USA football heads up uh, program, uh, you know, with the proper uh, tackling technique and so forth. Is that making, is that helping, uh, is the state of Vermont football, I mean, can you see a, a light at the end of the tunnel, or is it, are we going to get better, uh, is it going to get healthier, where is it all at right now, I know you're very big in the USA Heads Up program, uh, it, I'm sure it's working safety-wise, and is it is it helping with you know, the way people perceive football, I guess, because that's important too. Well, I think the, the public perception of football is it's just animalistic, violent, and everybody's just yelling and screaming and doing this and doing that, and kids are getting carted off the field with concussions and CTE and whatever else. You know, I mean, those things can happen for sure, but they can also happen in soccer, can happen in field hockey, can happen in basketball, can happen in cheerleading and I think whether it's right or wrong whether it's fair or unfair football has to go out there and be progressive and show people that they're taking steps to put the game in a better place so parents feel more comfortable getting their kids involved with football at a young age and I think uh, you know anybody including people in Rutland if we don't take that stance you're gonna see football go away and if you think we have numbers problems now, it's going to oh. get a lot worse. But there's numbers problem in every sport. You mean there again? Is. Yeah. Oh, and it's yeah. just it's just a it's kind of a perfect storm between between the culture of the world in which we live today and all these different issues that are out there. And I hate to use the uh, you know the, the term, but the negative you know uh, media out there because you know it gets sensationalized. But as I sit here today. Football is being instructed, and it's the safest that it's ever been. Right. And I mm -hmm. think it's being instructed and it's safe in a uh, rational manner, not just because I think USA football has put a lot of time and effort in. And U.S. 
USA football is being supported through, you know, the NFL, the NCAA, you know, I mean, the NFHS, and all those governing bodies. That being said, these other sports are now having to do many of the same things because there are concerns that are similar but yet different that apply to those specific sports mm-hmm. that, that are going on. And I think we need to continue to be out there, uh, not ringing the bell, but out there, you know, telling people what we're doing. Because I think a lot of times football does not do a good job of out there in the public saying we're doing all these things in a positive light. They just do it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. And, the education is... The education of the whole thing is... is, is important. But, but it, this all comes through the VPA. And I think the VPA gets hammered, I mean, on many, many things. But I think Bob Johnson and those guys, as long as the VIFL and the football committee has done a nice job of uh, of doing that. And, you I mean, what what's going on here versus what's going on around the country, it's not much different. Right. You know I mean, proportionally, you know, the high school I went to would have 150 kids on the sideline for Thanksgiving Day, which is a version of the Rutland MSJ game. I went to Thanksgiving last year to watch a friend of mine's son play, and they had smaller numbers. Now, granted, they had over 100 kids on the sidelines, and they had freshmen and sophomore football players that weren't even dressed, but it's it's there, and it's real. And, you know, it, it, you just need to be aware of that you know, as a coach. The days of just saying, hey, we do this because I did it 50 years ago, that's done. Mm-hmm. And kids today right, wrong, or indifferent, want to know why. Parents want to know why, and you have to be able to explain yourself and give them the rationale of, of what you're doing. But I think once you do those things, I think people understand what's really going on. Hi, this is podcast engineer George Nostrin, the one that Bob and Tom are always heckling. If you're wondering where you can find the Inside Pitch, we post it on our website every week under the sports drop-down menu. It's also shared on Facebook, Twitter, and you can find it on iTunes. If you have any questions, feel free to give me a call at 802-774-3036. Play ball. And when you talk about the education and and, and getting the word disseminated, uh, we met with Bob Johnson uh, just before the season began, and there's a lot of people that don't understand that the padded flag football, what jumps out at them is the word flag, and they automatically associate it with what you used to do at recess. And it's just totally different. It's real football. It's blocking, it's tackling, it's pads. It's everything except taking the ball carrier to the ground. Padded flag football I think, and I'm interested to hear you uh, talk about it, but I think it's a great thing uh, for safety, for for learning, for promoting football. And according to Bob Johnson, more schools have jumped onto it recently. And, and I think padded flag football is probably one of the things that's going to help football get to where it wants to get to as far as people's perception and and making it a safer game? You know, padded flag, um, truth be known, I never played football until I was in the eighth grade. We didn't have Pop Warner in my hometown. I I watched my son play football. He played tackle football in the seventh, eighth grade. I really didn't want him to do that. 
I mean, because I just didn't think it was really necessary, to be honest with you. I think football, you can still develop enough, I mean, starting as a ninth grader. But, you know, it is what it is, and no different than any other parent. I gave into the pressure because that's what my son wanted to do, and I probably, my wife and I didn't want to listen to what's going on. But padded flag, having watched it last year. This is year, middle school, right? This is middle school. Right. Um, having gone to the games last year, they're doing everything except kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return, and all that other stuff. But the blocking and the defensive play, pursuit, they're breaking down on the ball, and they're teaching those kids to pull the flags as if they were going to wrap somebody up to make a tackle, but they're not bringing people to the ground. And I think Mm -hmm. it is definitely safer. Now, one year later, you know, you pick your side. You either want tackle or you want padded flag. Watching the freshmen at the high school this year, some of them played flag. Some of them played tackle. Some of them never played football at all. And to be honest with you, you don't see any difference at all. None. Huh. Zero. Huh. None. You know, again, I mean, some people would say, don't do anything at all. Just let them all. You know, I mean, if it was Mike Norman's decision, everybody would play flag football. Just pure flag. Run around. Have fun. Just play. Just learn how to play. Learn how to organize yourself. Then when you come to the high school, We'll teach you how to get into a stance and to do these these different things. And take nothing away from what the REC and TJ Sapaka are doing. I support that 100%. And I go to those practices when I can on Wednesdays and stuff. I'm as involved as I possibly can be in, a, in just trying to help support them doing it. And I think it's a real positive thing. But for the real hard-nosed football is about smashing people and all that sort of stuff, Kids are just wired differently than they were 5, 10, 20 years ago. And we have to do something different. We just don't have the population base to do that. You know what I mean? And I have a nephew living in Massachusetts, and he lives in Pembroke, Mass. They have 68 eighth graders playing football. 68. They have tryouts. They have cuts. All those sorts of things. You know what I mean? And that's not a perfect situation. And that's not a big town. That's a small town. Yeah. You know what I mean? But kids are getting burnt out. You know I mean, kids today, you know, they're not a bad different. They're just different. And you have to kind of be able to transform yourself a little bit as a coach and as a leader. Otherwise, you're just going to lose these kids, and they're never they're just going to walk away and text and play video games and, and, and do nothing. And, again, I think it's true for the other sports as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, you want to keep them busy one way or the other mm-hmm. if you can keep them playing ball, some kind of ball. Hey, tell me, the teachings of USA Football and the Heads Up program, have they saturated all the way down through? Are we, are we at a place right now where you were kind of maintaining what we've built, or is there still building going on? I don't think you ever stop building. I think the nice thing about USA Football is that they're evolving all the time. And if they did something that could be done better, they do it. They're just, they want to put the kids in the best possible position to learn and to be safe. You know I mean, heads up, it's not called heads up football anymore. It's just USA oh, football. But the big thing was, was the Hawk tackling by the Seattle Seahawks. So what did they do? They joined forces with Pete Carroll and Rocky Seto out in Seattle. And that became kind of the how the teaching was done. <coughs> they weren't so hell-bent to do it their way that they weren't going to listen to what else was being done out there. I think that's the, the key point is, is that you have to be flexible. If you're teaching something week one, even at the high school, and then by week seven you have to change what you're doing because it puts the kids in a safer 
more advantageous position to be successful, you have to take your ego out of it, and you've got to think about really why you're doing this. And to me, it's about trying to build young people of character. And I said to the kids, you know, I mean, I'm on the other side of it. I've done this for a long time. It's about the process. You hear all that sort of stuff. But what are we trying to do ultimately? We're trying to raise people who are fine, upstanding people in our community, on and off the football field. Take from football and use it at home. Use it in your classroom, what have you. I mean, what kind of you know person you're going to be when you're 25, 30 years old? You know, I mean, what are you going to be like? Okay, what kind of husband you're going to be? What kind of father you're going to be? What kind of coworker you're going to be? And I think that's what football and sports in general brings to the table, and we just need to really get back to that for sure. It's not about winning state championships. I mean, at the end of the day, the bottom line is, if your guys are better than mine, you're probably going to beat me. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. you know, I mean that that that's the the nuts of you know. I mean, if you have good talent, your talent's better. You're going to win games, and you're going to look like a good coach. But a lot of times, the best coaches are the people coaching flag football, middle school padded flag football, coaching freshman football, the people that are teaching these young people, you mean, how to handle structure, how to handle discipline, you mean, how to be coached, basically how to be corrected, you know what I mean, how to keep your mouthpiece in, how to run from drill to drill, how to be told what to do and not take it as a personal attack. You know what I mean, nobody's yelling at anybody. It's just being corrected. And I think those are the sorts of things that sports in general can give to young people, boys or girls, but I think that's the strength of football. It's kind of giving you a blueprint for who you can become, you know, as an adult. Hmm. How close are we to, uh, or, or are we, I should, I don't want to presume anything, abolishing kickoffs in high school football? Well, there's a lot of uh, talk about kicking game going away. You know, you can even, you can look at it at, at the pros and you can look at it in college. You know, they put it there so they're kicking the ball in the end zone or, it's more advantageous to take a fair catch on the 10-yard line on kickoff because they just don't want those high-speed collisions going on. Right. I would not mm-hmm. be surprised if it happens. When it happens, I don't know. But if that happens, whether I'm happy or not, I have to make a decision. Do I still want to be involved with football? And I think coaching football without the kicking game is better than not coaching football at all. You know what I mean, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's about keeping kids uh, you know, involved and busy right. and, and keeping the game going. You know, this isn't the first time. I think the last time football was really under attack was when, like, Teddy Roosevelt right. was, yeah. was president of the United States. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we're, we're going to get through this, yeah. okay? And it's going to be tough, but, you know, we'll come through on the other side, and at the end of the day, the game is going to be better. The kids are going to have a better experience, and, you know, it, it, it's a popular thing to do. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I know I asked Bob Johnson that same question. He said, I think we're real close to not having kickoffs. Well, I'm kind of wondering what, what the game of football really looks like. I mean, you'd rather have it without kickoffs and still have football. Right. But special teams, and those those are big plays. I mean, I really, I mean, well, you I look know. at it, that's really when anybody really has an opportunity to influence the outcome of a game. I mean, right. guys who are not playing online or playing in regular positions, they're special teams guys because they have quickness or whatever. I think it would take something. I'd hate to see it have to go away, but I'd rather see it than not have football at all. Right, absolutely. Well, I think you're going to see it's like, you know, how the rec runs padded, fl- I mean, runs flag football here. You I mean, you're in a, they're on a, uh, 
80-yard field, 40 yards wide, and there's first downs every 20 yards. It would be something like mm -hmm. that. So on fourth down, mm -hmm. if you wanted to go for it, you went for it. If you wanted to punt, okay, or exchange the ball or whatever they would call it, you know, they'd have there would be a designated distance of the field. They would march it off and then yeah. and then place the football. You know what I mean? It's like we 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 have enough kids where we have we're going to play a couple of we have right now we have three freshman only football games, but that being said, the two schools that we're going to play, one is Middlebury and one is Essex, all the schools have, have just said, if we have to play eight on eight, we're going to play eight on eight because these kids deserve and mm -hmm. need an opportunity mm -hmm. to play. Now, there's going to be JV games that they're going to be a part of uh, as well. You know what I mean? I think that's the hardest part here, you know, is that the number of kids, you know, freshman football is, to me, the, the best, you know what I mean? Because it's like a lump of clay and... You start there at the beginning, you're like, oh, I don't know what this is. Mm. And you're taking all these kids from different places. And then 10 weeks down the road, you know, they can line up and they can run stuff. And they just grow up as individuals and as a group. And to me, that that's why you do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, that is the quickest half hour of the quickest 11 weeks in the year. Just gone like that. Yep. So um, we want to thank you again for joining us here. I'm Bob Fredette with Tom Haley. This has been Inside Pitch. Mike Norman has been our guest. Coach, thank you very much. It's been thank enlightening you. and always great to have you aboard here. So uh, for us and for George Van Ostrand, we want to thank you again. We'll catch you here next week on Inside Pitch. This is the Inside Pitch, the Rutland Herald's local sports podcast. Brought to you by our season sponsor, the Rutland Regional Medical Center. Healthy you, healthy together.